USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Hey, this is Cullen Bunn, the writer of Drax, Uncanny X-Men, and Deadpool Mercs for Money, and you're listening to Mighty Marvel Geeks. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Mrs. Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Shoot up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. Um, well, all I got to say is 136 episodes or issues. So if you stuck with us this long, kudos to you. For real. <laughs> Seriously. We are the Intrepid Trio. It's Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And how are you guys doing? All right. So far, so good, man. So far, so good. And the weekend is just about to begin. Or... Uh, is about halfway through, depending on when you actually hear this. That's true. True. It, if it's if you're listening to this on New Comic Book Day, then happy Hump Day. Hump Day, yeah. Mike, 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 hey Mike. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> so, um, this yep. is why I get for spending too much time in the bay with the doors closed, working on the hell on a hell of bus. Are, are we, are we sure? Are exhaust we sure, fumes, dude. Are we sure uh, we've got a slight You're looped gas up leak? on exhaust fumes again. I was thinking we uh, gave uh, you that box fan for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so you can just put your voice through it and sound like a robot. <laughs> but I sound like Darth Vader. It's so cool. <laughs> I am your father. Well, you are from the now. States. It just sounds like James Earl Jones in a traffic copter. <laughs> I, I so want to do the Robin Williams routine from Good Morning Vietnam. Well, Adrian, it's not looking very good. There's a jackknife, water buffalo. There's horns everywhere. <laughs> That's okay. I did it for you. We're, we're, we're going to drop some napalm and have ourselves a barbecue. <laughs> so, well, if you guys haven't been seeing all over the place with um, Marvel teasing an MU, no, it's not Marvel Unlimited. It is actually uh, Marvel uh, Monsters Unleashed. This is the the mystery po- project that's been teased, and the the name was revealed at Marvel's Diamond Retail Summit presentation um, at the Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, Cullen Bunn, which is why I played his ID, will be mm-hmm. writing this like series. Cullen Bunn. Yeah, um, we like all the Marvel creators. 
Yes. Except for Eric has an issue with a certain Mr. Spencer. But Well, you know, I, I would, he, he learns to keep politics out of his writing. I might actually like him. <laughs> See, okay, I guess going back to what we talked about briefly last week with, with Nighthawk going away. And of course, there was some politics, I guess, involved with that. What what may what makes Walker different than Spencer? Is it just the the sub, political subject talked about? One one's more race, the other one's just plain old stupid political left right wing whatever. Yeah, it's not as it's not as overtly political. No, well, like not one side of it. I guess. Right. Well, I think one side of it is more social social issue as opposed to... Changing the laws. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, right. that whole... Yeah. Okay. I'll take That's, that. That is a fine line. I think we, we can all agree that it is yeah. a fine line between the two. But that line is there. Right. Yes. Well, and, and again, none of us really had an issue with what David was doing. No. No, I think I think the consensus was it should Marvel should have waited on the book until after the election was over. December release, yeah, a December release, and I I think the book would have been a little bit more successful. Yeah, I I think like it's, yeah, it's a uh, it was it was definitely a timing issue, and I, like I said, I think December once all this other stuff yeah. is behind us. Then people can say, "Okay, but go- now here's the things that are actually affecting us." But keeping so having all all the events going on through the summer, though, as source material, yeah, what would have would have been good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the whole whole election thing is um, it, uh, yeah. it, it, it admires it, it admires the, the message. Yeah. Well, getting getting back on topic. God, derailed. Go figure. <laughs> Never here. This is um, my shocked face. <laughs> this is my happy face. Um, That's what worries me. <laughs> Cullen, Bo- Cullen Bone will write the series. Joined by artists Salvador LaRocca, Laniel Yu, Steve McNiven, Greg Land, and Adam Kubert. That's K-U-B-E-R-T, not Q-Bert, the arcade Yay. Um, no details on the story beyond the title and its logo were revealed, but the name itself has a history with Marvel. The name Monsters Unleashed comes from the old black and white horror magazines published by Marvel back in the mid-70s, with stories about Man-Thing, Frankenstein's Monster, and others. So, um, could this... There's another interesting connection as well. It's the subtitle to the second live-action Scooby-Doo film written by Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn. See, I did not know he did that until I, I saw this article. Yeah. No, I didn't either. And, and that's one of those... I, I, I was To see a cameo of Scooby-Doo in Guardians of the Galaxy would be so fitting. I think the closest we ever are going to get to that was Cosmo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I really do. Uh, Monsters Unleashed is scheduled... To launch in 2017, <laughs> I will. I will say the Scooby Doo soundtrack or Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty cool soundtrack. Now I like the soundtrack to the first one. Yeah, particularly yeah. the Atomic Fireballs with Man with the Hex. Yeah, <laughs> but, the, but the the second one had had the the Scooby Doo rap and Sugar Ray. Mm. And it was it was pretty cool. Sugar Ray was in the first one too, man. Was he? 
Were they? Spooky Island? They were performing. I think that was Sugar Ray. Oh, I, th- oh. I think you're right. Okay, I got my movies confused. Okay. Well, but I think James Gunn wrote that one as well. Oh, now, now, now IMD- one of us is just going to have to pull up Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm going IMDb. Yeah, that too. Because I think he did that. I think he did the first one as well. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo. He was the writer in 2002, Scooby Doo. So I've been a fan of James Gunn for like ever and didn't realize it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And those and those weren't really that. All I got to say is, if you say those movies were good movies, then you got to put Howard the Duck there as well. Uh. Um. Okay. Oh, we're not going to say they were particularly good movies, just that we enjoyed them. Speaking of, uh, Mike, did you hear about uh the news that Howard the Duck received a best uh best comedic comic award? I did not. Yeah. uh, Why do I sense a punchline here? Was, was it from last weekend's uh gosh which awards were those i'm gonna kick myself but um hold on and i'm going to see well while while you're saying that we are on the topic of howard the duck um over on weeby geeks we got to help uh the four of us got to help pick the books for the mega bento from the subscription box company called comic bento these right guys, these guys have you guys heard about comic bento i've heard of it yeah great company um the last box i got from them was a valiant spotlight and i got and i got the faith trade paperback weeks before it was released in stores oh how's how's that valiant threw that at them so yeah throw the this is coming out later this month here release it to your subscribers now say what (laughs) um so with they've brought back the mega bento so one subscriber will win besides getting the the box the the four graphic novels they will get five more additional books oh Um, brett chose buffy the vampire slayer uh the uh, Christos Cross author uh, stories. Uh, right. Derek chose All Hell Megatron. Jules chose um, Samurai Jack. And since I was able to back it up with the fact that he appeared in a couple episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man, Volume 1, unlike the Volume 0 that I got from my friend for my birthday, but Volume 1, which covers issues 1 through 6 and the Secret Wars tie-in, mm-hmm. Howard the Duck. I worked on, I got Howard the Duck into a comic book, mm-hmm. um, and then the fifth book that he, that uh, Jeff Moss of Comic Bento picked was Supergirl, and the theme was As Seen on TV. So I was ah. justified, Howard the Duck has appeared on TV, justified for the for the Mega Bento. So we got some Howard in there. Okay. So. Uh, it was the Harvey Awards from last weekend oh. at uh, Baltimore Comic Con. And Howard the Duck got uh, Best Comedic Comic. Yeah. Yes. With Sadarsky. And it just goes, like I've been saying, the Sadarsky line, it ranks right up there with the Gerber stuff. And the writings, now... With the times, Sadarsky's awesome. It's it's just unfortunately it's hitting the same type of thing as Nightwing and a few others. There's just not the numbers to back it up. Mm-mm. Oh, it's so. special award for humor in comics. That's what it is. But yeah, so I saw that and I, I had to make sure that I was going to mention that to you so that you know your Howard is legitimized for that because you know I, I think that type of comic needs a presence. It really does. Don't get me wrong. I, I really think it does. 
then I hate to see it go. That that's why I'm also sold on Gwynpool, which a lot of people aren't liking. But the, that one's almost a fifty fifty split. Right. Uh and and Squirrel Girl. Uh on unfortunately, Squirrel Girl's doing ten times better than, than Howard. But I mean that's it's nothing to say it's nothing against Howard, nothing against Squirrel Girl. So right. But uh there were other teases though about Agents of Shield. Yeah, uh, so apparently, uh, well, we know that the fall season is coming up, and this is a article that uh, is uh, came to us from cinema dot com, and so one of the shows that we're looking all looking forward to is season four of Agents of Shield, and so basically, and I and I did manage to actually see a photo of how Ghost Rider looks. So, and that basically that's what this article is about, is how where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually about to get its very own or I guess its first superhero. Um, and that, uh, is so, and I guess because the first episode is called The Ghost. So, so they're just hitting the ground running with this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, as well. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but, I mean, we've said it before, so I shouldn't really hate to say it. This could very easily be the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Unless people get off their butts and watch the show right. and avoid the pointless and useless and ineffectual online petitions at change.org when the hammer eventually falls. Right. I mean, we know the right we, – we've, we, we've seen the writing on the wall since – the end of last season along with having to say goodbye to Agent Carter and to Most Wanted hopefully we get to see two of our favorite S.H.I.E.L.D. agents return somehow some way Oh, speaking of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents um, I did get an email correcting us Jenna Simmons is in Marvel's Future Fight but but she's not a playable character no, she's no. she no, she's not. No, she's she's, she's, a, she's more or less. I don't know. She's, um, she's, she's an NPC. She's background info. She's exposition. Yeah. Yes. She actually works for Stark Industries. In in this in yeah. the game, she works for Stark Industries. Yeah. So. So, all right. So, um. So yeah. So, you know. So no, we know that Robbie Reyes is the Ghost Rider, and so no, we're. So basically, this article is just kind of really just talking about the things that we've been talking about. You know that, you know, he is a long, well-established character. Well, Ghost Rider is a long, well-established character within the Marvel universe, and so uh, you know, for for someone who is basically Hell's bounty hunter, <laughs> um, although That's I guess a good way of putting it, you no, know, he's Hell's bounty hunter. Uh, to show up on a show that is very science heavy. Actually, you know, that's going to be pretty interesting to see how Hell's, uh, somebody whose powers, as le- at least as we understand it, come from Hell, how that's going to work in a world that is uh, based so heavily in science. So I- I'm, I'm curious uh, to see how this is going to go. I, I um, can tell you how that, I-, I could see part of this happening because early on in one of the season one episodes, they, they encountered this person who believes she is haunted, she is cursed right. mm-hmm. by a ghost. Right. And turns out it's not a ghost. <laughs> right. It's a guy that's kind of like stuck between dimensions or something. I can guarantee you Fitzsimmons is going to be trying everything they can. And this could result in a running joke 
or a running a running gag, a running thing, mm-hmm. where they keep coming up with these more and more implausible theories to try to explain no this isn't magic no this isn't the supernatural there's a perfectly rational explanation for this so i that i'm just calling it right now that's going to be a thing yeah so you, you think they're they're going to be trying to find some way to science the heck out of yeah they're going to they're going to try to science this it's gonna it's gonna tick off the Catholic Church. <laughs> it's gonna tick off a lot of churches, actually. Well, you know, uh, I, I don't know about that so much. It's just they're just it, it's going to be the 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 supernatural versus the scientific, right? And this right. is perfect setup for Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, oh, I, this is of uh, to to what Mike said. It, this reminds me of a time when I was in college and we were playing Marvel superheroes, like the original uh, yeah. TSR. Yeah, TSR, the Die One Hundred based. Yes. Phaser. So, yes, and I loved it. And I remember there was this one uh, module that we were playing, and Doctor Strange is involved and so dr strange basically has to allow basically he he asks one of the party members to allow themselves to be possessed by this book so that we can gain the knowledge that we need from it so we can you know face off in our final fight against said world uh, world threatening evil okay i think i have that module and I remember this uh, one of the guys on my team. I mean, like when when the, when Doctor Strange said that, we're all like, okay. This one guy was like, I'm not okay with this. And we're like, it's just a game. He's like, no, I'm not okay with this. I'll, I will let this go this time, but if this happens again, I'm never playing this game again. I mean, he was serious. Did he not and play I, Dungeons okay. and Dragons? <laughs> okay, this is what I, 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 the issue that I have with people who have issues with role playing games. Did you play Cops and Robbers as a kid? All the time. Yeah. Okay. Played superheroes did, as a kid. Did this ever, did playing Cops and Robbers ever make you want to go out and rob a bank for real? No. Well, there. You played there was, Cowboys and Indians. There was that one did time I was short Did you ever want cash. to scalp anybody? No. Okay, that's a little okay, question. Excuse me. <laughs> Try to scalp somebody. No, no. Okay. The thing is, it's a game of let's pretend. Yes. I can understand where you have... You are not playing yourself. No. That's not the point of this. Now, there are ways that you can kind of... There are parts maybe you're not so comfortable with, but don't take it too seriously. No, no. It was like, for me, I was like... I remember my mom... Hit the roof when I told her I was playing D and D because this wasn't too long after. Oh so yeah, that, that you yeah. remember? That, remember? Yes, I remember that. Yes, and I remember telling my mom's like, "I didn't raise you to be like this." I'm like, "Mom, you're okay with me being in plays?" Yeah, this is the same thing. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, like it's the same. it's acting. We just have dice to determine how well we stage fight. Yes, that's it. You know, but yeah. and I think and the thing is, it's interesting how. 
Now, and I was reading a book about a biography of uh, Gary Gygax's life earlier this year, and it was interesting how the the lady that was behind all of this, all, all of that starting up, how she eventually admitted that it, she was uh, she had overreacted, that she was the one at fault because she wasn't being an attentive parent like she should be. But yet, for some reason, that never made the news. No. Oh, of course not. Again, that goes against the narrative. Right. We and God, we are getting so far off the off the beaten track. We are tangenting like a high school algebra course or geometry course. (laughs) But it's we we talk about politics. We talk about uh, yellow journalism. Really, journalism's always been yellow. It has. Yellow journalism has all has been a problem as long as there has been journalism. It's just now we're more aware of it because yeah. of social media. Yeah. That twenty four hour news cycle. Yes. Yeah. So well. that's why that stuff. The the truth of the matter. The overreaction. The the I don't want to say of the recanting of the of the reaction. That's not going to make the the headlines. No. No. So, but, but, but you know, since we're talking about truth, let me bring some truth to the surface. Please. Uh-oh. Please. This show yeah. could use a little truth. According to ScreenGeek.net, the uh-huh. real reason, they had an article that stated the real reason Marvel is beating DC is because our baseball bats are bigger. <laughs> um, I mean, uh. I'm, I'm just going to try and summarize this article instead of reading it verbatim. Um, now, they point out DC's had quite a few disasters. Man of Steel, mm-hmm. Batman Heart Superman, uh, unfortunately, Suicide Squad is being put into that. Yeah. Um, but what was the last real quote-unquote flop from Marvel? You mean aside from Howard the Duck? Okay, of the MCU. Uh, and I don't. And I don't there believe hasn't Howard, been. I would say Iron Man three. That's as close as they get. Yeah, I mean, but I that's mean, only that, that, it's only a flop because it didn't make as much as everything else. But well, no, there was a lot of people who. I think that's the first time I really heard anyone call out the movie for plot points being all over the place. Now, okay, not, yeah. not as severe yeah. as Batman Heart Superman or or Suicide Squad, but. I will agree I think that 3 was probably the weakest overall of all the MCU films. Yeah. Now, the that only does com- not mean that it's total turkey. The, the, only, the only complaint I've heard about Civil War is it's not a Cap film, it's an Avengers film. And, well... It is, but it isn't. It is an Avengers film. It's an ensemble film. But, but without Cap... That movie has no center. Right. Right. And, and the focus of the movie is Cap. Yes. So it is a Captain America movie, just with a lot of guest stars. It, it, it's, an, it's an Avengers subplot movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I mean, we, we just had Age of Ultron, and now we're, we're taking a, a spin, a, a subplot off of supposedly what's happening in the world after Ultron, that's part of Ultron, yeah. and we're now getting a focus on just the and the subplot focuses around Cap. Yes, and and how he's torn about the Sokovia Accords and protecting his friend, and apparently it's bros before team, so oh. he he's known him longer. So 
Well, he's known for like seventy something years. Yeah. You know, so and, and Bucky went through a similar scenario that Cap did. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the author of the story, uh, who is it? Uh, Riven Buckley over at ScreenGeek.net. Uh, he he makes the comment that now he's read time and time again that Marvel movies are more successful because they're lighthearted and fun. DC is too moody and serious. She. She. Okay. She. Sorry. My correction. Um, and. Um, so she continues on by by saying, you know, superheroes have been on screen for 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 decades. You now go back to George Reeves, Adam West, when DC was in its heyday. Um, and even Adam West, I mean, there was a lot of criticism about Batman the TV series being way too campy and, and more campy mm-hmm. than the comics. Uh, but sales went up with the comics. Right. Um, and then, of course, in the seventies, you got Wonder Woman, Spider Man, which okay. <laughs> Going back and watching that show, yeah, um, <laughs> the Hulk TV shows. Then you had Richard Donner's Superman, and I think it's funny she leaves out the original Doctor Strange movie because that was probably a wise choice for her argument. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Marvel TV movie, you know, the TV movies and whatnot in the seventies, or the you know the Marvel DC province through the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, point goes DC. Yeah. Well, so, okay, you can't count made-for-TV movies as actual movies. No, they're just extra-long TV shows. Right. But I'm I'm just saying superhero presence on screen. Right. Okay. We We're looking screen. at you, Captain America. Big screen, small screen. Uh, and we don't want to, but we no. are. <sighs> so, um, well, Doctor Strange. I, I, just, I have a question. Just as bad. Why are you going to throw a shield like a frisbee? I'm just saying. Yeah. Because that's what it was, was an oversized Frisbee. Because you can't throw it like a football? Mm-mm-mm. Um, <laughs> th- then we get to, to 89 with Tim Burton's Batman. Yep. The, this changed. It, it wasn't Howard the Duck that changed the superhero or comic book oh. realm in the movie in the movie or small screen world. It, it was Burton's Batman. I mean, it was. I, I will I will say that off the bat. Yes. Um, but then we get Batman and Robin. Ninety-seven. Oh, uh, yeah, no. What? Let, mm. Let's throw that back to. Mm. Okay, have y'all seen Batman Heart Superman? I did. Yes. No. Better or worse than Batman and Robin? Better. I. I. You know. Uh, okay. Better or worse than Batman Forever? You do realize that's not a very high bar you're set. See now. See now. Here's the thing. See Batman Forever. I have this weird. I have this weird admiration for that movie because I'm a I'm a Dick Grayson fan, and I'm a Riddler okay, fan, so, so I, I got to see Riddler on the big screen. I, I got to see Robin on the big screen, and I'm just like. But see, I've made the mistake of going back and watching this movie probably about ten years ago, and I saw all the flaws, mm-hmm. and then and then, then that just kind of ruined it for me. I think had I not gone back and watched that movie again, I would easily say that is definitely it would definitely been in the top five Batman movies, you know, yeah. for me. Well, I, I think what what was hard about Batman Forever is. We already know Billy D. Williams is Harvey Dent in the first two films. Yes, yes. Then they switched it to Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I didn't understand that. For the third one, that came out of nowhere. I mean, but, Star, wanted star power. Yeah. yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones was hot at the time. But, I mean... Billy D. still has the star power. I, I, I'm not... 
I'm but not Jim, arguing. Jim Carrey's that Riddler. Part. Jim's Carrey Riddler was I. I was very happy with. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey was a good casting choice as Riddler. I, yes. I I would have rather have seen Michael Keaton as Batman, even with Chris Chris O'Donnell, than Val Kilmer. Mm. Yeah, and now the weird thing is, supposedly Robin was supposed was going to appear because I do have in my basement from Batman Returns. I have a Robin action figure on card from the Batman Returns line, and supposedly he was going to be in that one with. Uh, and he was going to be played by Damian Wayne's or by Damian yeah. Wayne's. Mar- yeah. Or no, Marlon like, Wayne's. Marlon. Marlon. Yeah, Marlon. And I'm just like, uh, but see, at the same time, I think about you know what we were talking. We're talking about. Um, we, we, we're talking about the division of two completely different directors. Right. So maybe, you know, maybe, you know, what we would have gotten with the Robin that we would have gotten in uh, Batman Returns, although he's using a comedic actor, right. would have been worlds better than. And I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking up Chris O'Donnell as Robin. That was just a bad script. Yeah. Going back and looking at it, you have a combination of a bad script and an even worse director. Well, and, and that's, and so, that's, that's where you had Shoemaker or Shoemaker yeah. versus instead of Burton. Yeah. So, so I'm like Burton, like in so with Burton's version, I would love to see how Burton would have handled Robin because Shoemaker took it right back to '66, and I hate, I cannot stand Batman '66. Uh, the, the the camp is just too much for me. See, I, I love the Batman '66, but growing up on the reruns as a kid. And watching it all the time, and being obsessed with Batman at the time, I was, I was okay with it. That was my Batman. Well, see, um, when I was a kid, that first that made me not like Batman. It was weird. I was this weird kid, but I loved Spider Man. Go figure. Now, a, a year later, Marvel presents its second franchise, which is Blade. Um, yes. Now, the the mass success relationship between Batman, Robin, and Blade is important because it favors pretty much everything that comes after. As far as people writing the checks could see, Batman and Robin failed because it was too cartoonish. Too cartoonish? Yeah. It was cartoon meets Andy Warhol, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Blade succeeded because it was gritty, dark, and violent. But it's the character. Um and both of these, you know, and this this got cemented even more by The Matrix the following year, which felt like a superhero origin story, even though it had nothing to do with, with the comics or superheroes. Right. Um, so, I mean, we, we keep going. And, and, and this article pretty much has been saying everything we said in the past. Um, you know, like one guy writes, DC Warner Brothers is all like, Wonder Woman is too confusing for a movie. And Marvel Disney is, is all like, here's a raccoon with a machine gun. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we we we've pretty much been saying it. The the movies, they're Marvels is kind of sticking with the the Ultimate Universe kind of for their inspiration, mm-hmm. right? Um, and those seem more believable as if they could possibly be happening today, right? Sometimes they're dark, but they're still entertaining. Whereas you get um, DC, and it's they're, they're almost trying to go too dark too too emo it's humorless yeah i mean as don't be afraid to camp a little bit i mean as as dark as age of ultron was you have that scene in the beginning where they're attacking the hydra base and and language 
Like, yeah, language. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of combat, Tony Stark curses, and then Steve says language. And I had to laugh. I mean, they're in the middle of this death, uh, death-defying fight of their lives, and language. Yeah. And it, it was believable, and it was funny. But for some reason, I don't know, DC can't write the way people actually talk. Guys, I mean, I, I've, I've said this before on this show, and basically, this article is taking the long way around to get to pretty much the same point. Mm-hmm. Marvel and DC, the main difference is that DC makes superhero movies. Yep. Marvel makes movies about Pops. real people who happen to be superheroes. Yep. Yes. There is a sincerity, a genuineness that these people are real. Yeah. They are three-dimensional. Life is not all darkness and emo, nor is it all happiness, light, levity. No. It's knowing how to to mix the two. Marvel gets that. Mm. Yeah. DC slash Warner Brothers doesn't. No. Nope. I mean, like, if you look at the way they've handled Steve Rogers from First Avenger to now, mm-hmm. it, you, you have a man who is outside of his time, mm-hmm. who's having to kind of having to figure his place in a world that is so different from the one that he left. He's the and the woman that he loves has died. Well, of by old time, age of old age, and I'm and I, I and you know that funeral ripped my heart out. Because yes. I'm sitting there, I'm trying to imagine what it must, what it would feel like if I was in his shoes. I, you know what, same, and a, a real response. And meanwhile, he he's just now willing to put his foot out there and date again. Yeah. Okay. Here's a here's a theme, and I think Marvel handled this so well with its treatment of Steve Rogers. This is a man who pretty much all his life has been kept on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He's small and puny, so the army doesn't want him. Mm-hmm. Women don't want him. Pretty much the only person who accepts him for who he is, or well, the only two people actually, Peggy yep. and Bucky. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. So those are the, really the only two people he's close to throughout the whole World War II process. And then Bucky is he dies, as far as he knows, dies. Mm-hmm. And then he's frozen, and he wakes up seventy years later. He's not even in his own time, so he is. He's he is sure almost like a man without a home, man without a family, man without anything. So the few people that he has connections to, those connections are really, really strong. Yes. And so that helps you understand why he kind of goes off the reservation, so to speak, trying to, you know, try to defend Bucky or, or trying to... Uh, and that's why the loss of Peggy hit him so hard. Right. Well, moral of the story of this article on this topic is: listen to us. Yeah. We, we might know a thing or two, or however. <laughs> I mean, if other people are just now coming out and saying the same thing we've been saying, then we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. So, well, that concludes the stories we have this week. It's kind of a slow week, but if you haven't figured that out by now. <laughs> 
<laughs> with us going tangent all over the place. But all over. Eric's got Eric's got a few things for. Uh, it's almost it's almost time for Eric to, to turn Kylan and I into guests, so to speak. Yes. So basically, <laughs> uh, just uh, I'm part of a couple of other podcasts as well, and uh, one in particular we like doing this is like a, a, a different discussion each week, and one of the discussion topics that we've done is something called Would You Rather? So, guys, what I'm going to do, I've got ten questions here, and basically it's a either-or choice. Okay. Now, I want you to give me your answers, you know, what, which one you would rather have, or do, or be. Uh. Okay. Trust me, I'm not going to ask you something loopy like, would you rather be a tree or a bush? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so okay, all right. Question number one: Would you prefer? Would you rather own the first issue of a series or the last? Oh, it has to be one or the other. Has to be one or the other. You can't have both. I guess it would depend on the series. This is I mean, an either or thing, dude. <laughs> on average, on average, on average, on average. I would say recently. It would probably be the first okay. because you know I've got all the first issues of all the Star Wars titles that have come out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mind you, I could also say if they were all to end now, I also have the last issues. But um, but like Captain America, Steve Rogers, what the Hydra issue? I have that issue. Mm-hmm. I bought it. Um, I bought it before knowing. Uh, I have thought mm-hmm. about buying more copies just to hold on to for potential resale later. Do I care about getting the last issue? No, because that series, no one's going to care. No. It's the first issue okay. that made the headlines. True. Um, I, I, I think I just proven my point. It's probably more the first yeah. issues. Now, yeah. there, there's something about the number ones, mm-hmm. having that number one on the cover. Well, I mean, I can see that. That being the number one issue is all flash, and, and the series is it has promise, and you just have this optimism about where the series is going to go, et cetera, et cetera. And usually by the time it ends a series, it's ending usually for a reason, and right. that reason is not a good one. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I, so. I will I will say with Howard the Duck the only single issue I have or will have because it's sitting in my pull box right now is issue nine because I that's the Leia Thompson issue and I wanted that mm-hmm. cover as well because who knows I will probably run into her at a convention and <laughs> I will pay I will pay the money for her to sign the DVD in that issue. Okay. But I will also get to trade paperbacks as well, so I have my Howard. Howard, I'm yeah. getting Howard, I'm, I'm resigning myself to the trade paperbacks and the omnibuses, going back to okay. the old 70s stuff. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, Colin, I take it you're in, you're in agreement with him on this one? Yeah. I, you know, because I, I, I would think of it like this. At least if I have that first issue, at least I know where the story began. Because by the time you get the last issue, you have, you could possibly have a bunch of new characters introduced. And all this stuff going on, all you have is the last issue. You know how the story ends, but you have no context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would yeah. drive me up. It would have driven me up the wall to end up with the last issue of US One and <laughs> not know about everything that happened before. I just yeah. think of it like that. So good point. yeah, good point. It would be. It has to be the first one for me. There, 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 okay. was, no, there was nothing before the first one. Is that it? Okay. There you go. There you go. Right. So okay. Would you prefer now this talent level? I I, I wave my magic wand, holler bippity boppity booyah, and you have talent oozing out of your ears. Okay. Would you prefer to write or draw 
on a series. Draw. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Writing's, writing's been a weak point for me, partially with my uh, learning disability that I have. Again, uh, this is assuming you have the talent that you are comfortable with doing. I, I still rather draw. Okay. I, okay. I've That's... always been fascinated by, by the art in the books. I'd rather draw than write. The guy with an actual art degree recuses himself from this part of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Because reasons. Okay. All right. He'll be lettering. (laughs) Actually, I've done that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I've lettered, I've colored, and I've edited. All right. Number three. Would you rather star in an MCU movie or star in your own Marvel comic book series? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I got it. I don't know. See, I threw the soft one out there with the first or last issue. Now, now we're going to have fun. <laughs> I would say probably series, because I could change how I physically look for the series. Dude, where, I where just I, got three letters for you. C-G-I. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd still rather have the series. Okay. As much as How I about love, you, Kyle? As much as I love movies, I, yeah. the, the book is something different. Something yes. about a comic book. Series. Definitely. Series. Yes. Like, guys, I got to agree with you on that one. I do. We get we get some some of our guests to, to, to write and to art on it. Yeah, I'd love that. Oh, All right. heck yeah. Now, congratulations, guys. You're superheroes. Would you rather have a public identity or a secret identity? Hmm. Would you be, rather be more like Reed Richards or Spider-Man? I'd rather have a secret identity. Okay. Secret. Okay. I've always been like that. That's almost kind of what bugged me about Fantastic Four as a kid. It's like, no, super people aren't supposed to know who you are. Okay. And I still okay. feel that way. Okay. Carrying on with that theme, you're a superhero. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be an Avenger or an X-Man? Avenger. No brainer there. Avenger. Right. Avenger. Yeah, Avenger. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, Avenger. I, I, I mean, there's story arcs of X Men that I've loved, mm-hmm. but I'm I, I never really collected the X Men. Okay. I just want an opportunity to hang out with She Hulk. So you know. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you rather have physical power in abundance like Juggernaut or mental power in abundance like Xavier? I think the mental. Okay. Because mm. mm. to me, the whole Juggernaut Xavier relationship is is a fascinating one because you've got one that's really powerful in one area, but pretty weak in the other. Right? Yeah. As vice versa. Yeah. There was one what if uh, title. It's like what if Professor Xavier had become the Juggernaut. That was a very scary concept. Yeah. I have to see now. I gotta go see if I can find that one. I, okay. Yeah. I would say mental. I because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about. It, I'm like I, I would hate. I, I I would hate to be strong like bull, but dumb like ox. Okay. I would hate that. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Basically, you would be strong and dumb, or smart and weak. I'd rather be I'd rather be smart and weak because no at least I can science my way out of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, kind of related to that, but you know, in a, in a, an oblique way. Would you prefer to be a god among mortals like Thor, or a mortal among gods like Captain America? I think a mortal like uh, among gods. Hmm. Hmm. Mortal. Okay. Yeah, mortal. I like Thor, so I might actually just go the other way on that. Anyway, 
Okay. As a superhero, would you prefer that you have superpowers or super tech? Like you have the Hulk have superpowers. Iron Man has super tech. See, the superpowers I, I would envision having, I could also have, I could also recreate with super tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, like I said, to me, Iron Man is a perfect, perfect example of that. He's mm-hmm. a mortal man. He's smart. So he creates he creates a suit that gives him superpowers. Yeah, right. And of course, Hawkeye is the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to some extent. Yeah, um, I'd probably say super tech. I would say superpowers. I'm gonna have to go with powers as well. Again, because you know Thor fan. <laughs> okay, all right, guys. Mm-hmm. Mary Jane Watson or Storm. Mary Jane. Oh. I think we just broke Kylan. <laughs> oh. This is a potential love interest. Basically, do you want a spunky yet powerless love interest or a totally awesome, super-powered girlfriend? Why couldn't you have compared redheads to redheads? Mary Jane and Jean Grey. Uh, You know, (laughs) that whole Phoenix thing. That whole... mm, No, dude. Yeah, that... (laughs) I gotta say Mary Jane. Uh, I gotta say Storm. Okay. Again, and, I, and no, it's... To, to no, it's not for the obvious reasons, guys. No, <laughs> it's not for the obvious reasons. No, no, no. I don't know. I I kind of like Storm myself. I mean, yeah. I love redheads. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about Storm. Just I kind of like that. Yeah, just imagine what... Uh, never mind. Just don't get her mad. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I'm sitting there like, I know me, and I do stupid things. So... So you don't want a girlfriend who could roast your butt with a lightning bolt when you do something stupid? No. No. But but at yeah. the same time... But see, at the same time, it's Storm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, high risk, high reward. Well, there you go. Storm. You could have gone. Okay. You could have gone. Storm and Kitty Pride, or Storm and there's this Invisible Girl. <laughs> you know, I, I I tried to go powers, no powers. You know, I I, I don't think I would ever really. Honestly, I wouldn't want to date Black Sue. Widow. I wouldn't want to date Sue Storm. No, I don't know. No. That could be a good thing because you, you'll never see her. Well, that's the point. <laughs> You don't know. You don't know if she's watching you do something that you know you shouldn't be doing. It's, yeah, that's true. And see, she starts accusing you of stuff. You have no defense. None. Yeah, true. So you, I mean, not that you should ever be doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, but you know. Yeah, but I mean, she she might be real. Like, you know, you're watching the football game and the cheerleaders come on, and she'd be like super jealous. Like, is that what you like? And then she pop out of uh, nowhere. You're like, look, it's a halftime show. It's not my fault. And you know, no, I'm thinking. It more like you'd be sitting there watching the football game and you know she says well i'm going out for a while please fold up the clothes while i'm gone okay you see you hear the door open and shut and you look around you're still sitting there watching football three hours later did you fold the clothes well, no so, honey something came up i wasn't able to i stood here and watched you watch that whole ball game <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. You could not get away with nothing. No, you could. No. Just say it. <laughs> okay. Final. Final question. Okay. And uh, this this is kind of a. It, it, well, you'll just you'll understand when you hear. Would you rather bring back a long dead character that you like, or kill off permanently one you don't? Mm. Kill off one permanently. Okay. Uh. 
I kill off one permanently. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you going on the premise that nobody stays dead in the Marvel Universe for long, hardly? Except, well, I mean, so far the only one that, that's held to that's been Uncle, well, ben. Uncle ben. Doug Ramsey as well, but... Not, yeah, Doug Ramsey. Yeah. He kind of got brought back as an amalgam, so that right. doesn't really count. Yeah. No. Huh. All right. Well, well, those are my would you rather questions. So, th- guys, thank you for humoring me on this and some good answers, some good rationale. Cool. Uh, thank you. Okay. So, it's time for the picks of the week. Hate to, I guess Jarvis just felt we needed to stop. Would you rathering and get right well, to our picks? You know, I'd ask him, but he seems to have no opinion of his own. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we are talking. He's Jarvis. stubbornly neutral. Yeah. That's Jarvis for you. Affirmative. See, so well, um, Kylan, why don't you start us off with picks of the week? All right, uh, let's start off with Black Panther number six. The writer, Tanahisi Coates. Penciler is Chris Sprouse. Cover artist is Brian Stelfries. Rise of the Dora Milje. Oh, sorry. Milage. Sorry. T'Challa's failures as king are revealed to the United Nations. Ayo and Anika, the Midnight Angels, are courted by Tatu and the people to raise Wakanda to glory. But at what price? The storyline that has critics raving and retailers selling out continues. Okay. Eric, your first pick of the week. Okay, my first pick of the week is a number one. It is Deadpool Annual Number One, written by Gary Duggan and Brian Poson. Uh, various pencilers discover the secret, unearthed, never-before-viewed pilot of Deadpool and his insufferable pals. Featuring, wait, Iceman and Firestar? This isn't right. I confess, I chose this purely on the cover, mainly because it, it's a total ripoff of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. <laughs> and I used to watch that show religiously yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. So, yes, you have Iceman and Firestar and Herbie the Robot. <laughs> oh, Herbie. Herbie the freaking robot. Plus, fire safety with Wade <laughs> on a very well-worn, ragged-at-the-edges VHS cassette. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, my first pick of the week, and of course, this is for September 14, 2016. Uh, writer is James Robinson. Cover artist is David Aha. Scarlet Witch number 10. The murder of a famous warlock takes the Scarlet Witch to Kyoto, Japan. But little does she know that as Wanda hunts the murderer, the murderer is also hunting her. All I got to say is, have you guys seen this cover? Yeah. It's a neat looking cover. It really this is. cover, I am, I love AHA's covers, but uh, I think this is his top cover. Mm. Unfortunately, I see this cover being ripped off by Artist and Artist Alley. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, this thing's brilliant. So, uh, let's move on to our number twos. Okay. Uh, Mockingbird, number seven, is my number two pick. Uh, the writer is Chelsea Kane. Penciler is Kate Nimesick. And the cover artist is Joelle Jones. This is a Civil War II tie in. Trapped on a ship full of superhero cosplayers, Bobby investigates the murder of one of the passengers. But this ship of fools has dark secrets. Someone is pulling the strings. 
Bobby Hunter and a motley band of surprisingly committed cosplayers must puzzle out the conspiracy as the ship continues to circle the Bermuda Triangle. Mm, Yeah. Okay. My second pick of the week is Civil War II Gods of War number four. The, uh, written by Dan Abnett, penciled by Emilio Liso. The final chapter of the Gods of War. With the world locked in civil war, Hercules and the Gods of War face down a catastrophic threat that the other heroes of the Marvel Universe are completely blind to. Can they prevail alone against the wrath of a new race of gods? Or has the Civil War provided the uprising storm with the perfect opportunity to master the world and change it forever? Okay. Well, my number two is Uncanny Avengers number 14. Writers Jerry Duggan, penciler Ryan Stegman. Civil War 2 tie-in. The Unity Squad's mutants go rogue. No pun intended. As they search for a solution to the Terrigen or to the Terrigen Mist, um, that's been killing other their that's been killing their brethren. Steve Rogers makes a shocking decision, and the Unity Squad will never be the same. Captain Voodoo's brother makes a deal with the devil. Actually, the hand, but they're way worse. Mm-hmm. Oh. So our final picks. My final pick is <clears throat> A Force number nine. The writer is Kelly Thompson, and the penciler and cover artists are Paulo Sicaria. Uh, this is also a Civil War II tie-in. The fates of Nico Minoru, a mysterious missing girl named Alice, and a small town in Colorado are all tied together as Civil War II heats up and threatens to tear A-Force apart. The team, with Elsa Bloodstone in a in foul-mouthed toe, splits up to hunt down the apparent source of the trouble in the hopes of saving the town. However, it soon becomes apparent that it's all not what it seems to be. It seems with the team, A-Force is changing, and by morning, there may not be anyone left to save the day. Okay, right. my final pick of the week is Rocket Raccoon and Groot Number 9, written by Nick Kosher, penciled by Michael Walsh. Civil War II tie-ins. We don't need to be carpet braggers, but you'll have to Ulysses S. Grant that these are the best issues in the entire event. When Rocket, Groot, and Gwenpool all go after the same bounty in Georgia, the results are antebellum believable. Get Teesburg as many copies as you can. <laughs> How could I not pick Oh, my God. That's awesome, dude. This sounds like the intern gave a little bull and run. I I think the boss left early on this day, and the intern just decided, I'm going to have some fun with this. Did the the boss go eat at the little round top? I don't know. Well, my final pick of the week is written by Christopher Hastings, penciled by Irene Strelinski. And uh, the cover artist for this particular issue is Stacy Lee. And Stacy Lee's got some great covers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Gwimpool, number six. Gwimpool's team up with Miles Morales ends badly. Man, Ooh. oh man, she is not a good person. It gets dark. We promise this is not a Civil War II tie-in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our picks of the week. And Kylan, your Marvel Unlimited pick. My Marvel Unlimited pick is okay. I struggled with uh, with this, but to me, it, it is a new book that we've uh, that we've discussed. Oh, well, we haven't actually discussed it, but I think it's something that everybody's going to really enjoy. It is Luke is a uh, Luke Cage noir. 
And uh, and actually, I'm kind of going to go out there and say, just look at the whole series. It's a four issue series, um, and it, it's part of the Marvel Noir line. Which you know, there was a Spider Man Noir, there's an X Men Noir, there are other books. Uh, uh, there's a Deadpool Noir. All are really good. But uh, this uh, this series, which came out in 2009, is an alternate take on a familiar character. And I I think, especially if you're very familiar with the character, it will do you well to read this book. It gives you a different perspective on a fan favorite. It sounds almost like the uh, Elseworlds series yeah. that, that DC did. It, it is. Like, all, all, the, all the noir books, take, take just this twist, like, all these characters are, are familiar, obviously. They're familiar characters you know the story, and you start reading this, and there's there's these questions that come up about the world that they're in, and in my opinion, they're never really answered. But right. I like that. Well, I've got one bit of news. I forgot to bring it up earlier. Um, it was announced on Wednesday that Marvel is bringing back Jessica Jones to the comics. Mm-hmm. Really? Jessica yeah. Jones, number one, explodes onto the scene as part of the Marvel Now uh, from original creative from the original creative team of Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos and David Mack comes a brand new series that drags Jessica into the middle of the Marvel Universe uh, on sale in October. So do you think this is, has anything to do with the fact that she did really well on Netflix? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Without mm-hmm. a doubt. Without a doubt. So, uh, any final thoughts? No, that's it for no, me. No, that's a good. That's a good bit of news to end on. Oh yeah, cool. So, on that note, Jarvis, if you would please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. Okay, so. Would you rather be a Marvel <laughs> podcast or a DC podcast? I think we answer that single question every week that we show up here. Yes, we do. Despite the lair, it sure beats a, a broom closet. Or a basement. Definitely. Or a basement. Yeah, I think I'd rather I'd rather be in an above ground underwater soap overload volcano lair than a hall any day of the week. Just hey, saying. At least the at least the spy museum recognizes the volcano lair. That is true, they do. Well, anybody who's everybody has to have a volcano lair at some point. That's true. 